me to 1 Samuel chapter 1. We will be in verses 3 through 5. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. When you've found your place, please stand for the reading of God's word and remain standing for a time of prayer following. This man would go up from his town every year to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of armies at Shiloh, where Eli's two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were the Lord's priests. Whenever Elkanah offered a sacrifice, he always gave portions of the meat to his wife, Penina, and to each of her sons and daughters. But he gave a double portion to Hannah, for he loved her, even though the Lord had kept her from conceiving. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day, and thank you for bringing us all here together to worship you. And I just want to thank you for all the mothers today, and thank you for all that they do for us. And I also just pray for anyone who this is a hard day for, because I know this is a day full of emotions. And Lord, I just pray that we can take this sermon to heart, and that you'll keep us safe so that we can come back and worship you next week, Lord. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, as I said before, happy Mother's Day. I'm looking forward to this sermon today in the book of 1 Samuel. So the students so well read, a good introduction point. We're actually going to go through the whole story of Hannah and her uh, growth in, in God and growing close to God and her moments of sorrow and her moments of difficulty. Because let's be honest, ladies, um, you have difficult times in your life. You have times of great sorrow in your life. Uh, many of you who are mothers... You've had great times of sorrow in raising your children and the difficult things you've gone through in, in raising children. There's many of you women in here, some of you who would love to have children but can't, some of you who have chosen not to, and either or is not an indication of your value as a woman. God has a, a different uh, will and a different destiny and future for each of you women. So don't ever compare yourselves to someone else and try to say that you're any less than someone else because of the different paths that perhaps you've chosen in your life. But what we want to do today and what I'm seeking to do is to honor mothers and to honor women. I want to make sure that you leave here today encouraged, that you leave here today empowered to know that God has a great calling on each of your lives. And I just want to start out by giving you a really awesome fact. Did you know that there are more than 400 women mentioned by name in the Bible? Did you know that? 400 women. Some may only have one verse uh, devoted to them. Some may have more. Some may even have entire books devoted to them. But women are integral in the narrative of Christianity from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And yes, we understand that sometimes in societies and in societies past, because of some, um, really it's just unfortunate events, men have risen to a level where they have almost dominated women. And that's not what Christianity is. Did you know that? Christianity teaches of what is complementarian between the sexes. That both men and women are fully equal. 100% as human beings. Made in the image of God. Where the differences come about is when we talk about the roles that God has given men and women. Those are different, and that is uh, consistent throughout Scripture from the start to the, to the finish. But today, I want to convey, mothers, your value, and women, your value, not only in this church, but in society, and in what God has called you to do personally for the building of His kingdom and for His glory. Women who led were in the Bible, women who sacrificed, and women who carried the gospel torch. 
You see many times in Paul's letters even, as he's writing to these local churches, he mentions particular women in these churches who are serving God, who are the backbone. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, men, and I'm not going to bash you the whole service. I'm going to bash you a little bit because I'm, I'm one of you, so I can do that a little bit. It is an absolute shame that we can't find more men to serve in gospel ministry. And what I mean by gospel ministry, I'm not meaning being a pastor. I mean in teaching a children's Sunday school class. Just opening the word of God and teaching a precious child. You know how good that would be for our children in this church if they could be taught by men? You know who carries that? Women. Our women have been faithful to make sure that our children have been taught the word of God in this church. There have been some men over the years that have stepped into that role. But I think as men, sometimes we think, you know, that's children, that's kind of the woman's thing. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. And maybe we need to be re-educated about what God's called us to do. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. I read it during our baby dedication ceremony. We are to teach our children day and night, no matter where we go. Fathers, you're the spiritual leader of your home. You have got to be investing in the children, not only in your home, but in this church and in this community. Because, listen, we stand before God one day. We're going to have to give an account, men, as the leaders of our homes, the leaders of our church. And I believe God's going to look at many women that day, and he's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. When the men wouldn't step up, you did. And God bless you for that. Ladies, this morning, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for stepping up when it's not the easy thing to do, for stepping up when it should have been somebody else, but for stepping up when God's called you to do something and you have stepped up and you have fulfilled the roles needed to make this church move forward out of obedience to our Father God in heaven. Thank you for that, ladies. So this morning, I want us to talk about women because I believe women are important. I happen to love women. My mom is a woman and my wife's a woman. Amen? I tell my wife all the time, you are my best friend. Sometimes she asks me, do you not have any friends? <sighs> you know, I used to fish. I used to do all kinds of stuff. I have no, really no desire anymore. So, some of the, you guys in this church, you've probably wanted me to hang out with you before, and you're like, man, he's weird. He, and it's not that I'm against hanging out or having, I've got a wife and four kids, and honestly, I'd rather hang out with my wife as anybody, honestly. You know, but, that, but listen, women have been monumental in my life. I had a great father growing up. But I'm telling you, when you get hurt, you don't want anything to do with dad. Dad, leave me alone. You're just going to try to rub dirt in it or tell me I'm all right. I don't want you to tell me I'm all right. Mama, I want you to kiss my boo-boo, right? <laughs> I don't still do that, by the way, in case you're wondering. But there's something special about a mama, isn't there? And we can all say that. And some of you maybe didn't grow up with your mother, and, uh, but maybe your dad fulfilled that role. And I think it's important as Christians to understand that there are jobs that need to be done in the kingdom. And everyone does have particular roles laid out in Scripture. But I don't think there's anything wrong when a role needs to be filled and there's not a man around to do it and maybe it's a, a role that a man should fulfill and he's not going to. Ladies, I want to thank you for being willing to step up. I want to thank you for that to this morning. So as Southern Baptists, you know, some people might look at us as a little old-fashioned as Southern Baptists. I kind of like being old-fashioned. But uh, as Southern Baptists, our two greatest heroes of the faith are women. Did you know that? Think about uh, Annie Armstrong. You hear about the Annie Armstrong Easter offering every single year? Easter, where we begin to collect money for our North American missionaries. Annie Armstrong was one of those women who stuck in there and she got stuff done for the glory of God. And today, there are thousands upon thousands of souls saved because Annie Armstrong was devoted to taking the gospel and raising funds for missionaries in the United States. Think about Lottie Moon. 
Man, Lottie Moon is an absolute uh, hero of the faith. If she had lived back in Bible days, she would have made it in Hebrews chapter 11, I promise you. She was one of those women. She went to China by herself, by the way. And she tried, she tried to get people to go with her. She tried to um, you know, kind of get people in the United States um, passionate about the people of China and their lost state. But it was very difficult for her to get anybody interested. So she went. And there were times where Lottie Moon would preach sermons. All right? She would, she would preach the gospel even to men. You know why? Because there wasn't a man around to do it. But she was faithful to proclaim the gospel, and people got saved because of Lottie Moon. There is still a Christian witness in the nation of China today because Lottie Moon was faithful to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. She was not willing to sit by and let people die and go to hell. You know, you know how her life ended? She had come to a point where she w- there was a great famine, there was a great war there in China where in the location that she was in, and many of the people she ministered to were starving to death. And she was still getting her funds from, from the mission board, but at the same time, it wasn't a ton of money either. So she was known for giving her food to the people of the village so they wouldn't starve to death. But in turn, she actually starved to death. On her way back to the United States, it says she weighed 50 pounds as a grown woman. Her body completely withered away because she was willing to not only give her time, not only give her life, but give the very beating heart within her body so that people could be saved. Ladies, you have a great heritage in the Southern Baptist denomination. You have a great heritage in the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of people say, well, Ben, you're saying women can preach? I want to be clear here. Yes, women can proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know what preach means? It means to send forth a message, to proclaim a message. Now, we understand the Bible is very clear that the office of pastor, the office of elder, right, the same office, is to be held by a man. But we understand, too, that women can convey the truth of the gospel just as good, if not better, than their male counterparts. Women, you have been called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are not to remain silent as people are dying and going to hell. And this morning, ladies, I want to encourage you to step foot into the ministry full force and move forward with sharing Jesus with a lost and a dying world. So as we look at this story here in 1 Samuel... One of the greatest stories of a mother that you can find in the Bible. Here we have this Hebrew woman named Hannah. And as you see there with the introduction that was read, she was at a place where she desired to have a child, but God had shut her womb up. God had brought her to a place where she could not conceive and have a child. Now in Hebrew culture, that would have been very difficult for a lady. Because that was something that as you expanded your family, as you gave birth to children, you were taking pride in raising up the name of your family, taking pride in raising up the next generation of Jewish people. So that would have been hard for her because she probably would have felt inadequate. She probably would have felt like something was wrong with her. She probably would have thought that she was less valuable than others. Also in the Old Testament, many times you're going to see polygamy, right? You're going to see a man in the Old Testament who has multiple wives. Let me be clear, God never condoned that in Scripture, okay? As a matter of fact, everywhere that you have a a polygamous relationship in Scripture, trouble always comes from it. Polygamy was never God's plan, it never has been God's plan, and it never will be God's plan, amen? Marriage is a covenant relationship between one man and one woman for life. Nothing else, that and that alone. So here, Hannah, married to her husband Elkanah, there's another wife in the, in the relationship, Penina. And Penina begins to make fun of Hannah. 
She begins to make Hannah feel less than because she could not conceive. Let's go here. I want to, I want, the first thing that I want to talk about Hannah is that she was a woman of sorrow. So if you're taking notes, write that down. Hannah was a woman of sorrow. And we're going to see that in, beginning in verse 6, and we're going to go through verse 8 there for the fact that Hannah was a woman of sorrow in 1 Samuel chapter 1. So beginning in verse 6, the Bible says this, her rival would taunt her severely just to provoke her because the Lord had kept Hannah from conceiving. Year after year, when she went up to the Lord's house, her rival taunted her in this way. Hannah would weep and would not eat. Hannah, why are you crying, her husband Elkanah would say. Why won't you eat? Why are you troubled? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Obviously, Hannah was in a moment of severe depression, severe heartache, severe sorrow. She not only had her, her, the other woman in that relationship making fun of her, but you could just imagine how inadequate she felt. I want to share with you as we go through these different aspects of Hannah and her, her motherhood and, and her taking care of um, what is to be her first child, I want us to also look at women in the history of the faith. And I want to bring these women to the forefront because, again, I want to encourage you ladies as we move through this sermon this morning. So as we reflect on Mother's Day, I thought it fitting to bring into focus a woman whose name is Anne Hasseltine Judson, one of the first Christian missionaries to go overseas. See, she was a woman who was born in Bradford, Massachusetts in 1789. She married a man named Adoniram Judson at the age of 23. She had a life full of sorrow. She and her husband answered the call to be missionaries in the nation of Burma, even today, Myanmar, Burma, that's the same nation, is a troubled, troubled country. But if you think back in the late 1700s, early 1800s, it would have been a primitive living condition, to say the least. A country torn by war, a country torn by militant religions, but yet God had called them to this nation back then to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. As they answered that call, they took their first voyage. They left from the Isle of France and got to Burma. On the ship, on their way from the Isle of France to Burma, she gave birth on the ship in those rough seas. The story goes that they basically just kind of covered a tarp over her, and she crawled under that tarp and gave birth to that child on the seas, on that ship. A woman of sorrow, a woman of struggle. As she gave birth to that child, she found out that it was stillborn. She gave birth to a stillborn child. Anne lived her entire life serving the Lord, and she died at the age of 36. And it didn't come before losing two children, and then as she passed, six months later, her third child passed away following her death. She was certainly a woman of sorrow. And here we have this woman, this Jewish woman in the Old Testament, who was going through something very, very similar she had found herself in the midst of these circumstances and these struggles, and she was looking for answers. I think I'm probably speaking to some folks this morning who are looking for some answers today. Maybe you've had a rough week. Maybe you've hit a string of depression, ladies. Maybe you've hit some anxiety. Maybe something has happened in your life that you don't understand, that you don't know the way out, that you don't know what is the next step. I think you have a lot in common today with Hannah, with Ann Adoniram. Amen? First Peter chapter 5, verses 6-11 through 11 say this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, 
so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. Be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone he can devour. Resist him firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. Ladies, you are not alone today. Whatever you're going through, I promise you there are other people going through the same thing. Verse 10, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. To him be dominion forever. Amen. So as we read about Hannah's sorrow, we see Ann Judson's sorrow. We understand that sorrow is not something foreign to us as human beings. It's not something foreign to you women, to you mothers. Sorrow is a reality of life. It is something that we all have to deal with. So as Hannah moves on through this time of sorrow, I want you to also see that she was a woman of prayer. A woman of prayer. If you're taking notes, write that down. She was a woman of prayer. So she understood the situation that she was in. She understood that she was completely out of control at this point. There was no way that she could change her circumstances on her own. She needed something more. She needed someone else who was existing outside of her circumstances to reach in and change what was going on, to reach in and give her peace and give her answers to these difficult questions that she had. If you'll go down to verse 9, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 9, we're going to read a little bit about what Hannah did in this situation. On one occasion, Hannah got up after they ate and drank at Shiloh. The priest Eli was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. Deeply hurt, Hannah prayed to the Lord and wept with many tears. Making a vow, she pleaded, Lord of armies, if you will take notice of your servant's affliction, remember and not forget me and give your servant a son. I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and his hair will never be cut. While she continued praying in the Lord's presence, Eli watched her mouth. Hannah was praying silently and though her lips were moving, her voice could not be heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, how long are you going to be drunk? Get rid of your wine. She says, no, my Lord. Hannah replied, I am a woman with a broken heart. I haven't had any wine or beer. I've been pouring out my heart before the Lord. Don't think of me as a wicked woman. I've been praying from the depth of my anguish and resentment. Eli responded, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant the request you've made of him. May your servant find favor with you, she replied. Then Hannah went on her way. She ate and no longer looked despondent. There was a woman born in Cape May, New Jersey back in 1783. She was an African-American woman by the name of Jarena Lee. She was a woman of prayer. One story about her goes like this. I thought this was really interesting. That as her pastor was preaching from the book of Jonah one Sunday morning, she out of nowhere stood up while he was preaching and began to expound on the same scripture that he was preaching from. Basically taking the sermon from him and began preaching it herself there in the congregation. I think everyone probably looked with jaws dropped as they shockingly looked at her doing this. Remember, we're talking about the 1700s. But despite her love for Jesus and the proclamation of the gospel, she suffered from se severe depression. She surely did. And contemplated suicide several times. And what she said was she believed that she would never find joy and never find peace. But you know what she decided to do? She began to pray fervently that God would give her relief from her sorrow after four years, I want you to think about this, four years of severe depression, 
She felt healed from her depression and experienced the joy and peace that she had been searching for. At her moment of the deepest, darkest part of her life, she began to pray. And she did not forsake the prayers to God, who in turn brought her out of the depth of the valley that she was in. I'm not saying it's right or wrong when she stood up to preach, but I do believe that she had such a passion within her soul to talk about Jesus, to share Jesus, and to proclaim the name of Jesus. And she led many souls to the Lord over the course of her precious life. She traveled around telling people about Jesus. She was truly a great woman of God. You know, when Hannah was in this moment, she was there at the temple. She began to pray. And I love the terminology that's even used when it talks about Hannah. It talks about the, the priest Eli was sitting there. And then in verse 10 of 1 Samuel chapter 1, deeply hurt, Hannah prayed to the Lord and wept with many tears. She pleaded for the Lord of armies. She said, in your servant's affliction, remember and not forget me. And then she goes on down, and, she, and, and as Eli's watching her, he talks about, um, are, are you drunken? What's going on? She said, no, my Lord, in verse 15, I'm a woman with a broken heart. Going down, I've been pouring out my heart before the Lord. I've been praying, in verse 16, from the depth of my anguish and my resentment. You ever been where Hannah was at that time? You ever been there? You ever been in a situation like that? At the depth of your anguish. You know what the best thing to do in that moment is? Exactly what Hannah did. Reach out to the only one who can take care of you. Reach out to the only one who has the power to change your circumstances. Reach out to the only one who has the power to give you peace in the midst of your storm. And that is certainly what Hannah did. That is certainly what Jerin did that we read about here recently. You even think about King David. King David was at a moment in his, his monarchy, in his reign, that was an absolute just tragedy. His son Absalom had killed many of his own men and had literally forced his father David off of the throne and forced his father into the wilderness to run because of the fear of losing his life. If you will, turn with me to the third psalm. I want us to read what David prayed to God as he was going through this difficult time. The third psalm. So David says this beginning in verse 1. Lord, how my foes increase. There are many who attack me. Many say about me there is no help for him in God. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cry aloud to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of thousands of people who have taken their stand against me on every side. Rise up, Lord. Save me, my God. You strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. May your blessing be on your people. Here in the depth of David's anguish, he called out to the only one who could help him. Did you know that even Jesus prayed? You know, we talk about King David, but even Jesus, the Son of God, incarnate, 100% God, 100% man, even he prayed. 
This was a time when he was praying for his disciples, when he was praying as he was about to be crucified and ascended to heaven, as he was about to leave this earth and send the Holy Spirit. And this is what he said in Matthew 26, beginning in verse 38. He said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. Going a little further, he fell face down and prayed. My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Wow, Jesus, God in the flesh, prayed. Today, ladies, today, today mothers, maybe you're at that moment of deep heartache. And if you're not now, there's going to come a time in your future where you do get to a place like that. We understand that those times come in our lives, they're inevitable. And what I want to encourage you to do today is, even in the depth of your sorrow, I want you to be a woman of prayer. I promise you, prayer works. King David did it. Jesus did it. We need to do it. You need to do it. Thirdly, I want us to see this about Hannah. She was a woman of worship. She was a woman of worship. And as we go through these different things, I want you to understand what it means, women, to have peace and to have joy. And the thing about Christianity is this. There are times in our lives when the world will look at us and they will say there's no way you can have peace and joy through the time you're going through. Maybe it's a loss of a loved one. Maybe it's a severe disease that someone has. Maybe it's just severe depression. Maybe it's a, a tragic event that's taken place in a marriage. Whatever it may be, there's going to be times when the world looks at you and they're going to say, you are going to cave, you are going to fall, you are ruined. There's no way you're going to get out of this. But you know what? We are to worship the Lord even in the valleys. Worship God even in the storm. And let me be clear with you about this. Your circumstances are not supposed to dictate your level of joy and your level of peace, women. Your circumstances are not supposed to tell you whether you're going to have a good day or not. Because if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, he supersedes anything that you're going to go through in this world. And there can be an inner deep peace and joy in your heart that resides even in the most difficult of situations. Even in the situations where the rest of the world is looking and saying there's no way, there is a way with God, I assure you. You can have peace when you lay your head on your pillow at night through the most difficult times if you have Jesus living within you. When you have the peace of God that Philippians chapter 4 says passes all understanding. The peace that surpasses all understanding. In other words, you have peace with Jesus when it doesn't make sense. You know, it's easy for somebody to say, I won the lottery. I've got $20 million, man. I'm happy. I've got some peace now, right? But what about the one in the gutter? What about the one that just lost their house? Is that supposed to dictate the joy that's in their soul? Let me, let, me, let me be honest with you. If my circumstances dictate my joy and my peace, I would be a miserable human being. And I think when we look around the world today, the reason so many people are so miserable and so many people are so down and out, so many people are hopeless is because they're letting their circumstances run their lives. Listen, when you serve the God of heaven, he surpasses all that. And he can give you peace right in the midst of that difficult time. And you know what he can do? The Bible teaches us that he uses all things for good. All things to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Today, let God use your sorrow. Let God use your difficulty. Let God use your bad circumstances to bring himself glory and to do good for you. And I promise you, the king of glory, he can do that. Amen? So she was a woman of worship. That's the third thing that I want us to look at. She was a woman of worship. If you'll go back there to 1 Samuel chapter 1, we're going to read in verse 19. Because listen, 
The, the, the priest said, all right, Hannah, God's going to answer your, answer your prayer. He's going to do this for you. But in reality, who knew if the, if the priest was really telling the truth? Who knew if he really knew what he was even talking about? If you read about Eli and his sons, they were fairly wicked men. Uh, Eli, not as much as his sons. But he would not have been a priest that I probably would have wanted to listen to back in that time. But even in all that, because of her connection with God... She had a peace in her heart about this situation. And we begin in verse 19 and we see what her next step in this process is. As she goes from sorrow to prayer, now she's at a place of worship in verse 19. The next morning, Elkanah and Hannah got up early to worship the Lord. Afterward, they returned home to Ramah. Then Elkanah was intimate with his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. Did you hear that in verse 19? They got up early and what? To worship. After some time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel because she said, I requested him from the Lord. When Elkanah and all his household went up to make the annual sacrifice and his vow offering to the Lord, Hannah did not go and explained to her husband, after the child is weaned, I'll take him to appear in the Lord's presence and to stay there permanently. Her husband Elkanah replied, do what you think is best and stay here until you've weaned him. May the Lord confirm your word. So Hannah stayed there and nursed her son until she weaned him. When she had weaned him, it says, she took him with her to Shiloh, as well as the three-year-old bull, a half bushel of flour, and a clay jar of wine. Though the boy was still young, she took him to the Lord's house at Shiloh. Then they slaughtered the bull and brought the boy to Eli. Please, my Lord, she said, as surely as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this boy, and since the Lord gave me what I asked for, I now give the boy to the Lord. For as long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. And then he worshiped the Lord there. So you start out there in verse 19 with Elkanah and Hannah worshiping. In the midst of their sorrow, in the midst of their pain, in the midst of their difficulty, they are worshiping the Lord. Many times in this world, I've heard it a thousand times, why does God let bad things happen? Why does God let school shootings happen? I heard a really good response to that one time. Well, back in the 70s and 80s, the government took God out of the schools. So you expect him to fix something that you took him out of, right? Listen, bad things happen because we live in a sin-cursed world. A world that is cursed by wickedness. A world that is cursed by evil. A world of people who God created to have a free will. God did not create any of us to be a robot. There really is no true love. There is really no true service without choice. And God gives us choice. And because man is evil and because man is wicked, man chooses evil and wickedness. And because man chooses evil and wickedness, the world is as it is today. It's not God's fault. It's because of the wickedness of mankind. She was a woman of worship in the midst of that trial. And as she, even before she conceived Samuel, she worshiped the Lord, if you notice that in verse 19. She then conceived, she then gave birth, she then nursed him and weaned him, and when she brought him to the Lord's temple, because she fulfilled her vow of dedicating Samuel to the Lord, Samuel worshiped the Lord there. She made a legacy. She created a legacy for her son. Basically, her son, even though he was young, he had an example of a godly mother and a godly woman in his life who was not willing to let her sorrow tear her down to the point of no return. She was willing to give it to God. She was willing to, in the midst of her pain, hand it to him and trust him with it. 
And look what happened when she trusted the Lord with it. He provided her with that precious child. Now listen, this is not to say that this same story is applicable to each and every one of you or the same outcome is going to happen in your life. But I can assure you of this, that the God of heaven is in control. He loves you and he wants what's best for you today. And the best place to turn in your moment of sorrow is to him. The best thing to do when you don't know what else to do is to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You know, you think about the God we serve. You think about the fact that if we chose not to worship him, that he is so worthy of honor and glory that the rocks would cry out because it is such demanded of creation that the praises of his name would ring out in his glory that he must be praised and worshiped. The Bible teaches us in John 4 that God is seeking people to worship him in spirit and in truth. Do you want joy and peace this morning, ladies, mothers, men? Worship him. You know why you were created? To worship. That's your sole purpose as a human being. You know, you get the question, why am I here? Why do I even exist? Because God made you in his image for the purpose of worshiping him. And you will never be fulfilled. You will never have the joy until you worship God. You know why the world is searching so hard? You know why the drug use is running rampant? You know why gang activity and shootings is at an all-time high? Because we live in a world that's trying to be fulfilled because there's an empty vacuum within their souls, but they're choosing everything but the only one who can fill it, and that is the God of heaven. If you want joy and peace this morning, I'm telling you that missing element is your worship. You were created to worship. Nothing works better than, what it, than when it does what it was created to do. Amen? So she was a woman of worship. You know, you think about Amy Carmichael, another one of these famous great missionaries of the faith, a woman born in Ireland in 1867. She devoted her life to the mission work in India. She was monumental in saving the lives of young women, mainly girls, Okay, from the grotesque temple prostitution they were subjected to at shockingly young ages there in those Hindu temples. She was affectionately known by the Indians as Amma in the local language meaning mother. Amy Carmichael once said this, Oh, to be delivered from half-hearted missionaries. Don't come if you mean to turn aside for anything. Don't come if you haven't made up your mind to live for one thing, the winning of souls. Amy Carmichael knew what it was meant to truly worship God. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says this. This is the purest, truest form of worship. I want you to hear it right here. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Have you given your all to God? I'm not saying have you given him all your time. I'm not saying have you given him all your money. I'm saying does he have your heart? Does he have all of you? Is there something else in your life that ranks higher than the God of heaven? Then you're not truly worshiping him. You've not yet offered your body as a living sacrifice until he is number one. Above all, unequivocally, above it all. That is true worship. When he has your heart, when you love him, you know, that's what I love about Christianity is that it is not a list of rules and regulations. It's not, I've got to do this and do this and do this and then I'm okay with God. But it's, I'm in love with the creator of the universe. 
It is a love relationship. Remember what Ephesians chapter 5 says? It talks about how Jesus and the church is compared to the relationship between a husband and a wife. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. That's what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus. We love him and we're willing to give ourselves for him. Hannah and Elkanah, excellent, excellent model. Excellent example. They never ceased to worship even when their trials were the most difficult. Never once. They worshiped God before the child was conceived and as they were giving him back to the Lord. And the last thing, we're going to close. She was a woman of praise. She was a woman of praise. You ever heard of Fanny Crosby, anybody? I'd say just about everyone has. If you've ever sang out of a hymn book, you have seen that name, I promise you. Fanny Crosby was known by most, as, I'm sorry, her name was Frances Jane Crosby, but she was known by most as Fanny. She was born in 1820 in Brewster, New York. At the age of five, she was pronounced permanently blind from an inflammation of the eyes. Her father died before she was born, and she was raised by her mother and her grandmother. She said, I verily believe it was his intention that I should live my days in physical darkness so as to be better prepared to sing his praises and incite others to do so. Did you know that Fanny Crosby wrote over 9,000 hymns in her 94 years of life? Hymns such as Blessed Assurance, Safe in the Arms of Jesus. And she had to use nearly 200 pseudonyms for fear that the hymnals would have her name on every song from front to back. That's how committed she was to writing for the praise of God. Hannah was the same way. She was a woman of praise. In chapter 2, we're going to read through some of these verses here. But this is known as Hannah's triumphant prayer or Hannah's song. And as you go through this song as we're going to read it, you're going to see as how she continually praises the God of heaven. Beginning in verse 1 of 1 Samuel chapter 2, Hannah prayed, My heart rejoices in the Lord. My horn is lifted up by the Lord. My mouth boasts over my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one beside you and there is no rock like our God. Do not boast so proudly or let arrogant words come out of your mouth. For the Lord is a God of knowledge and actions are weighed by him. The bows of the warriors are broken, but the feeble are clothed with strength. Those who are full hire themselves out for food, but those who are starving hunger no more. The woman who is childless gives birth to seven, but the woman with many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and gives life. He sends some down to Sheol and he raises others up. The Lord brings poverty and gives wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the trash heap. He seats them with noblemen and gives them a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. He has set the world on them. He guards the steps of his faithful ones. But the wicked perish in darkness. For a person does not prevail by his own strength. Those who oppose the Lord will be shattered. He will thunder it in the heavens against them. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give power to his king. He will lift up the horn of his anointed. Here Hannah was praising the Lord. Verse 2, she cries out, he is holy. 
Verse 3, he is a God of knowledge. Verse 6, he kills and he makes alive. Verse 7, he makes poor and he makes rich. Verse 8, he raises the poor and lifts the needy. Verse 9, he keeps the feet of his godly ones. Verse 10, the Lord will judge, give strength, and exalt. Today we've seen Hannah. She was certainly a woman of sorrow. She was certainly a woman of prayer. She was certainly a woman of worship, and she was a woman of praise. Ladies, today, you want to know how to have peace and joy? Follow the example of Hannah. In your midst of your sorrow, pray, worship, and praise. And I promise you, the king who will never forsake you will see you through every single moment. You know, it's kind of one of those situations You get through a hard time and you look back and you're like, I don't know how I made it through that. I don't even know how I'm on the other side. You don't have to know how to know who did it. And it was the king of glory. And you know, one thing that stood out to me in Hannah's prayer is this. That he raises the poor and he lifts the needy in verse 8. You know, what I'm thinking about today is that there was a time in my life where I was needy. Where I was hopeless. That if I were to die, I would have died in my sin and I would have gone to a place called hell. But I'm so glad that Jesus raises up the needy. That in my most, my most you know, inept time, the, the very time that I was the most needy, God reached his hand down and said, Ben, you need me. You need to be saved. You need to trust me. So I want to proclaim the gospel to you this morning from Hannah's prayer. And I want to ask you, if you were to die today... Do you know for sure where you would go? And I'm not saying 90%. I'm not saying 80%. I'm not saying you hope so. Do you know 100% sure that heaven will be your home when you die? The Bible teaches us that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. If you're banking on getting to heaven by any other means than the gift that the Lord Jesus Christ paid for you on the cross, based upon his death, burial, and resurrection, you are going to be found needy and wanting that day when you stand at the judgment. But this morning, before you leave Pole Creek Baptist Church, you can settle it in your heart. Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I need you. Will you save me based upon what you did for me on the cross? And on the authority of God's word, by you reaching out to him and crying out to him, he will save you. Maybe there's some of you this morning, you're just living in just pure sorrow and difficulty. I want this morning for you to have a time of prayer as we begin to sing and worship here in just a moment. Because I want you to get it settled in your heart that no matter how hard life gets, you're going to continue to pray and worship and praise the Lord. That you're going to have the joy and peace that passes all understanding regardless of your circumstances. So if our musicians will, come on forward. We'll begin to go into a time of worship and a time of prayer. Men, there might be some of you out there that maybe God's convicting you because you've chosen not to serve. And I thank God that we've got a backbone of women in this church that keep the ministries moving forward even when the men are disobedient. Well, maybe you think God's telling you that you need to step up. Well, this morning, why don't you make a commitment to the Lord? If you're a a part of this family here at Pole Creek and you're not serving somewhere, I want you to make a commitment to God that you will pray that he will lead you into that service ministry that he will put you to work so that you can further the kingdom of God. Let's pray.